Hey everyone, welcome to the Dorinda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorinda Wilson, wife to Daryl for 31 years, mom to eight kids ages 16 to 30, and nana to six little grandbabies and one on the way. I'm also a veteran homeschooling mom of over 25 years and the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, also of a brand new book being released in June by Zondervan Publishers called The Four Hour School Day. I would love for you to receive all the announcements about incentives and bonuses first by subscribing to my website. So go to DorendaWilson.com and subscribe there and you will be the first to um, find out about all the incentives and bonuses related to this book launch coming up here soon. You can also um, connect with me um, at homeschool conventions or women's events. I often speak there. So if you'd like to have me come and speak in your area, please connect with me by going to my website and clicking the speaking tab to find out more. And if you want to find out where I'm already going to be, go ahead and look at my calendar on the website and you can see where I'll be speaking throughout the year. My next stop will be Mount Zion Church in Jonesboro, Tennessee, where I'm doing a one-day women's event. I'll be talking about finding hope. Finding hope in the midst of uncertainty, finding hope in the midst of loneliness, and finding hope in our identity in Christ. And this is an event that's for all women, not just homeschooling moms. I will include a link in the podcast notes to that event for you to check out. All right, well, let's get this party started. Um, I seriously doubt that any of us can say that we have not fallen prey to comparing ourselves to others. Now, today, I have a special guest with me who will be talking about her new book titled The Burden of Better. In an era of carefully curated social media images, nonstop selfies, and TV shows devoted to perfection, comparison can consume you. Chasing something better quickly becomes a burden, weighing down your soul and preventing you from experiencing the freedom, contentment, and rest that God generously offers. While other books on comparison call readers to embrace their own uniqueness, The Burden of Better reveals that only a deep understanding of God's grace and a personal reliance on that grace can cure the epidemic of comparison flooding your mind. So I'm excited because Heather's humor, personal stories, and empathetic approach offers a gospel-centered guide to kicking your comparison habits. So before I um, welcome Heather on, I'm going to give you just a little bit of background on her. I always like to hear about who's going to be talking. I like to know a little bit about their background. And Heather writes and speaks hope to thousands of women each week, inspiring them to stop comparing and start living. Her first book you may have heard of it, Compared to Who, encourages women to uncover the spiritual root of body image issues and find freedom. Her new release, The Burden of Better, offers women a journey into the depths of God's grace to find a way off the treadmill of constant comparison. She's been featured on Fox News, HuffPost, Morning Dose, uh, Church Leaders, For Every Mom, along with dozens of other shows and podcasts, but she's best recognized, ready for this guys, from her appearance as a contestant on the Netflix hit show, Nailed It. Heather and her fighter pilot turned pastor husband, <laughs> Eric, have four children and they live in Austin, Texas. Um, we're going to include contact and connection info with her or, um, that you can 
have to connect with her in the podcast notes. But Heather, welcome. I'm really excited to have you here. Thanks, Dorinda. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'm I'm so excited to have... Okay, so I have to back up just a little bit because this was hilarious. As I'm reading through this, I'm thinking, all right, you need to explain this little Netflix hit show, Nailed It story. Just Just tell us in brief what that was all about. That was one of the most fun experiences of my entire life, Dorinda. (laughs) And so they found me through the internet because I had hashtagged enough posts as bake fails. (laughs) So um, I got the most random and quite honestly fake looking uh, inquiry about whether or not I would be interested in going on a baking show. And, And really what this is, Dorinda, is this is just a sign that God truly knows me and loves me. (laughs) Because honestly, it's always been a dream of mine. I've always loved bake shows. I love the Food Network. And the truth is I'm a horrible baker. So my my chances of ever being on a baking show were about as good as my chances of playing in the Super Bowl. But somehow God in his grace found the only baking show for which I was perfect for. <laughs> that was nailed it. So it was it was a fantastic opportunity. It was super fun. I'm I'm in season 1. It used to be episode 1. I think they've switched it back to episode 3 now. But um, you can you can watch me uh, bake a disaster of a blue wedding cake. It used to be the actually it used to be the thumbnail picture for the show <laughs> because my cake is almost iconic, right? It's, so you're like it's, the po- it's like the poster child thing, it's yeah, a poster it, cake. It, it was, it was until they. I mean, they've had like six or seven seasons now, so I guess other people have outdone my bake fail. <laughs> comparing, right? (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what we're here to talk about today. That's really fun. What What a blast. I love it. All right. So I want you to... Um, We've got some questions that we want you to answer um, and just kind of talk about and expound on. Of course, we're going to take bunny trails because that's just what we do, right? Because we're moms and we're women. This is what we do. (laughs) But the first question... We know that comparison is the thief of joy. We've all heard that phrase. But how does this particular book that you've written give us a fresh way to look at the issue of comparison in the life of a Christian? Yeah. So one of the things that I was determined to do when I wrote this book, Dorinda, was not to fill it with cliches. Mm. Because I feel like we know all the cliches about comparison. The Thief of Joy one you just mentioned, you've probably heard, don't compare your behind the scenes with someone else's highlights reel. Right. right? Like, like we know all these things. And yet, what do we find ourselves doing? Mm-hmm. We find ourselves scrolling and comparing. And so my thought was these cliches are not actually doing anything to transform our hearts, right? They're not, they're not speaking truth in a way that makes us want to change our behaviors. So this book is different in that it looks at what's really the root of our comparison issue. Mm-hmm. And, and quite honestly, I hate to talk about this this early in the show, <laughs> but, <laughs> but quite, if we're just real, right? The Bible doesn't use the word comparison. Mm -hmm. The Bible uses other words. And I think, you know, one lesson I've learned as a parent, as a homeschooling parent, is that it's sometimes hard for me to use Bible language. I wasn't raised using Bible language for everything, even though I was raised in a Christian home. But Bible language is always our path (laughs) to figuring out Bible solutions, right? Mm. And so Bible language uses other words. It uses the word 
covetousness, mm-hmm. right? It uses the word envy. It uses the word jealousy. And so these are all things that are truly a lot of the time going on in our hearts when we're comparing. We're looking at our friend's brand new kitchen and we're coveting saying, "Ugh." Oh, I hate my laminate countertops. I wish my kitchen looked like that, mm-hmm. right? Or or we're looking at our friend's post on all they accomplished in their homeschooling morning. <laughs> and right. we're thinking, I wish my kids were that cooperative today. <laughs> I wish I was that organized. Like, how does she do it? And, and you know, in... And a lot of times it's innocent in its beginning, right? Because mm-hmm. because our hearts really, we want to do better, right? We think that we're honoring God with this desire to do better. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that desire. But then we just kind of take a sharp turn to the left. And it's like, I want that. Mm-hmm. I've got to have that. Mm-hmm. What I have isn't good enough. Right. I need to work really hard and make that the focus. Make that what I accomplish so I can have that on my on my resume per se on my like list of things I've accomplished whatever word you would use there and that's that's when we get stuck Mm -hmm. and that's when we start pursuing something that's different than what God has asked us to pursue that's when we start pursuing what others have yeah you know I I just as I'm listening to you there's a few things that are coming to mind first of all you're wanting to you know we're wanting to get to the heart issue and in order to get to the heart issue we have to name the sin yes we're using that word (laughs) (laughs) Because really, that's what it is. And, you know, I think uh, one thing God's really been showing me lately is it's been actually quite painful. Um, He's been showing me how much pride is still Mm. there after all of these years of walking with Him. And I've had to repent because I've realized, my goodness, Dorenda, holy cow, you really are, you know really self-sufficient. I think that's one thing that happens very quickly is we turn to self-sufficiency. Um, we, I can do this. Um, that's that sharp turn you were talking about. Also, right. what other the other sin that comes to mind is idolatry. Right. You know, we start to worship getting that thing, whatever it is, or accomplishing that thing. And I'm a very goal- driven kind of type A personality, which might come as a shock to some of my listeners because I'm always talking about slowing down and being unhurried <laughs> and listening for the Lord's voice because it's been such a struggle for me <laughs> because I so quickly try to, you know, just determine my own agenda and really, you know, I mean, I, I hold on to that thing with everything that's in me. And behind it, a lot of times, it can be that motivation of it's got to meet a certain standard, and where is that standard coming from? So yes, I I hear exactly what you're saying. So, um, so I was wondering, you know, what what made you? I'm thinking a whole book on comparisons and the burden of better. I'm, I'm curious what made you want to tackle the topic. Well, honestly, my first book, Compared to Who, is a book on my body image struggles. And so that's really where my comparison battle was the biggest Mm. for most of my life. I remember being in third grade and deciding that my legs are bigger than the legs of the other girls in my class. And what that started for me was a cycle of disordered eating, which I wouldn't have even called that at the time, Dorinda, because I wasn't anorexic and I wasn't bulimic. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just 
believed that every woman was constantly obsessed with her weight and her size and constantly counting calories and trying to figure out how much she needed to exercise to burn those off. I thought those were normal girl behaviors. <laughs> and so I um, I wrote this book all about my journey, my body image journey, and it was called Compared to Who? And I had a lot of people say, okay, we got the body image thing we need a book on comparison. Like we're still comparing ourselves, you know, with like other people in terms of job success or in terms of parenting success or marriages or homes. Where's the book on that? Right. <laughs> I was like, that's a great question. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just, there was demand for it from my readers, from my listeners. And I really I had to go into prayer and say, God, I have no idea. What the cure is for that? How am I going to write this book? And what God showed me was so the answer for my adult, or excuse me, for my body image issues was was really discovering the word you used earlier, my body image idol that I had made it an idol. Mm -hmm. And so as I looked more closely at comparison and the issues surrounding comparison, I what I understood was that idolatry was central to that as well. Mm -hmm. All of these things that I called my ideals were actually idols. Mm. And and those words sound very similar, they right? Do. And I, ideals sound so nice, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, well, we all have these ideals and I just want to be my ideal me. And, and, you know, I'd have women say to me, oh, I don't compare myself to anyone else. I just compare myself to the me I want to be. That's okay because that's not comparison. And, and I had to kind of back up the bus a little and say, well, wait, wait, wait a second here. Where did you get those ideals from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yes, you created them. But that's a problem, right? <laughs> right, right, right. You you created them probably from a collection of things that you've observed over your lifetime, and you have set up this statue of sorts of this is who I should be, mm-hmm. and you are attempting to become that. And I believe that as Christians, as followers, believers of Jesus Christ, he's not asking us to become our ideal. He's asking us to become more like him, right? And in fact, in 1 Corinthians 4.3, Paul talks about how he cares very little if he's judged by human courts. And then he goes on to say, I don't even judge myself. Only God judges me. And and so often what happens when we set up these ideals, when we have our little statue of this is the kind of mom I should be, this is the kind of homeschooling mom I should be, and then we get ourselves all wrapped up in a tizzy, right, when we don't achieve that, or we get ourselves so focused on trying to achieve that that we, <laughs> we miss all the things going on around us. And what we're really doing is we're making an idol of ourselves, mm-hmm. right? And God, God says, hey, I've got a list of things that I – hope that you will abide by. (laughs) And we're saying, yeah, I see your Bible, God. Here's my Bible. This is how I should live. These are Heather's rules for life. And and to be really blunt and honest, I mean, just looking Mm -hmm. at my own life, so often Heather's rules for life we're more important yes. than God's rules for yes. life, right? Yes. I'm more likely to accomplish Heather's list of what needs to be done today mm-hmm. <laughs> than I am God's list of what needs to be done today. And so that's that's the danger 
of, you know, of those ideals becoming our idols and the danger of, of really pursuing all of, all of these things. And so that's to go all the way back around. That's why I wanted to write this book. I see so many women. I'm a homeschooling mom of four and I've been homeschooling for eight years now. And I see women all around me in my homeschool circles, in my church circles, in my neighborhood circles that are chasing their ideals and, and facing frustration and missing out on, on other other good things that God has for them because they are so stuck in the idolatry of idealism. Mm-hmm. So you experienced the the weight of the burden of better when it came to your own body image, um, and then it, it sounds like I mean I was I was kind of perusing the book and and um, reading through some of the the chapters and. There was there was definitely a crossover where you actually experienced uh, the weight of the burden of better in other areas of your life. Absolutely, um, you know I think once once you see it <laughs> in mm-hmm. one area, you can start to see it in a lot of areas, right? And and so as I was writing this book, what God really took me on was a deeper dive into His grace. Mm. I was raised in church, and I could sing all the lyrics to Amazing Grace for you, but I didn't really understand how grace made my identity secure. I didn't really understand how grace worked for me on a daily basis. I understood grace as my ticket into heaven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but beyond that, daily, you know, maybe, you know, grace that God's provided. There were, you know, there was some acknowledgement of it, but by and large, I missed a lot of the ways God's grace operates for me every single day. And mm-hmm. so that was a really important thing, an important kind of, I guess you'd say an aha moment, (laughs) if you will, as I was researching that and realizing just how much of the weight I carried of just trying to be better in every area. I mean, Dorinda, I am type A 100% all the way, (laughs) okay? And and I had a post, uh, well, it was kind of a poster card kind of thing that was on my desk, on my computer, probably from age... 20 until maybe age 35 that said, commit yourself to constant improvement. And so that was really my mantra. I believed that was a healthy thing. I believe that's what God wanted from me. Like I wouldn't have separated that (laughs) from, from my Christian faith at all. I just thought getting better, being better, that was what it was all about. Mm. Um, And, and yes, like you said, God got clear, clearly and gently and graciously started to show me the ways that I was chasing better that weren't about pursuing him and growing in him and chasing Jesus as the better, but chasing what Heather believed <laughs> to be better. Right, right. And, and that was an unhealthy path. And and I think what I, I think what I'm hearing you say here is is the grace is sort of the bridge that takes you from that that place of just comparing and having these these standards that don't come from God to a deeper trust in him because you know it this the letting go is really really hard we all want a measuring stick right. because we all want to know that we're measuring up and yet we look at the scriptures and it says you know our righteousness is as filthy as rags it's not exactly encouraging news you know when you're <laughs> when you're you know when you're really feeling like you want to measure up and yet it's grace that scoops us up and makes us worthy that we actually are worthy because of what Jesus did for us. And and it's not just our salvation. It's every area of our lives, you know. And I think one of the things that I think a lot of moms 
homeschooling moms specifically struggle with is, you know, just that, um, that call to excellence, like you were kind of alluding to earlier, you, we want to do things in an excellent way because we know that glorifies God, but we all have our limits mm-hmm. and we all have our giftings and we have things we're just not good at. And, you know, God's grace is there. And, and as a mom who's like so many years down the road when it comes to homeschooling, I only have one left. We've, you know, graduated seven. And I look back and I think, oh my goodness, how imperfect. I was and still am, and yet the grace of God flowed through every nook and cranny along the way. And that's what I prayed for, because I remember at certain points (laughs) saying to my husband, you know, when I messed up with the kids in relationship with them, especially, I'm very relational, so when I messed that up, it just really would rock my world and... I would say to my husband, if these kids turn out all right, it will be a miracle, you know? <laughs> and guess, guess what? They're 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 good. They're doing well. And but I know that's by the grace of God because I I'm not I, I'm just I'm not a perfect mom and I'm still not a perfect mom. I don't I don't relish in that. I don't like put that all over, you know, social media and some people kind of like marinate in that. I, I'm not that's not a that's not a boast to me. That's that's right. me saying I need the Lord desperately right. in every area of my life. And guess what? It's okay for me to need him. It's okay to humble myself. I think that's the that's the part that's hard is that humbling ourselves and saying, okay, I'm going to remove this measuring stick over here that feels like it's something I might be able to pull off, possibly, mm-hmm. gives me something tangible to work for, and I'm going to exchange it for something less tangible. As I'm waiting um, and trusting the Lord to lead me um, and to set the standard for this moment, this hour, this day, because we know as moms and homeschooling moms, every day is different. I always tell people there was not one, uh, first of all, no, not one single perfect homeschooling day ever Mm. in in all the thousands (laughs) of homeschooling days. So, so if if you're thinking you're going to, you know, that that's going to happen, just lay that one down. And and watch for where God is already working. Watch where He's working. He's always working. And and that's one thing that I, I picked up along the way that really helped a lot was that whole concept that God is always working. He's working in my kids' lives. He's working in my life. This is, I'm His work. My kids are His work. And my job is to look outside of myself, look for where He's working, and join Him in what He's doing. And all of a sudden, all that comparison stuff just kind of shrinks off to the side because God's doing a unique work in me and a unique work in our family. And if I can just stay in step with that, that's when um, I'm going to be the most effective. Right. Right. So yeah, I love that that grace, just that grace. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And now I'm curious if you have ideas on why comparison is such a big issue, specifically for women in the church today. Mm. Well, I think it's a big issue because we have more access to information about how other people are living Mm -hmm. (laughs) than we've ever had before, Mm -hmm. right? You know, 50 years ago, you 
would have only been in the homes, you'd know what the inside of homes of the people you knew look like, right? Right. You wouldn't ever see their dinner plates unless you were having dinner with them. (laughs) You wouldn't see their vacation photos unless you were at their home and they decided to share them with you, right? (laughs) Now, you can know everything about everyone's business whenever you want. And then beyond that, we have these television channels that are dedicated to showing us how to be perfect in these different areas of our lives, whether it's how we dress, what we eat, what our homes look like, you name it. We have these um, these standards, if you will, presented to us as this is this is how everyone lives or this is how everyone should live. Right. <laughs> and and if you aren't meeting this standard, well, you know, then I, I don't I don't think you're good enough. And so what what happens then is things that God has called us to, such as hospitality, right? We get on we turn on HGTV. My house doesn't look like that. Well, I'm not going to have anyone over, right? I, I'd be too embarrassed. I can't have anyone in this home. <laughs> it right. doesn't look like that. And so so it shuts us down from doing things that God has has asked us to do as part of as part of living out our faith in Him because we are um, I guess crushed under the pressure of we should look like this, we should act like this, you know, we should be serving this for dinner on this pretty plate, and it should look this great. And so yeah, this is a big problem for women in the church. I'm not going to say it's a bigger problem for women in the church than other women, but we're just like everyone else in a lot of ways in that we are scrolling Instagram and mm-hmm. we're flipping through the channels and we are seeing the same things. And so it takes, I would say, more effort and intentionality for us as Christian women to, you know, to put boundaries around those messages that we're receiving, mm-hmm. right? If you're if you're not in the word every morning <laughs> and but you are on Instagram and Facebook and Netflix and you expect to believe the word's definition of what beauty is versus the world's definition of beauty is, it's going to be hard <laughs> if you're not getting that dose of the word every morning. And so, yeah, I think there's there's a lot a lot coming at us that we have to filter through and we have to know how to handle rightly according to according to the Bible. Right. Right, because our brains are struggling to separate reality from fiction, and we can only do that if we have the truth at the forefront of our minds. And the only truth, all truth comes from God, and all truth comes from His Word. And so I would even go as far to say um, the ratio of mm. of God's Word to what you're, what we're scrolling through um, needs to be adequate to offset and um, not only offset, but actually benefit us. You know, right. if we're constantly trying to offset versus laying some of those things completely aside and really focusing and meditating on God's word. And I think this is something that is um, is a challenge and, and something that we as believing women should um, practice. And that's a meditation mm. on God's word where we're not just reading the scripture and, you know, and I, I tend to do this. So I'm, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here, but just, re- you know, a scripture comes, pops out at us. And we're like, oh, wow, that's really good. I'm going to write that down. And then I never think about it again for the rest of the day. You know, I, I used to, um, I like to do this. I was looking for my little index cards today, but writing down the scripture um, that's really that I feel like the Lord really 
laid in front of me and really just magnified to me. Maybe it's one or two or three in that morning, uh, that morning in my Bible reading, and then just having them in strategic places around mm. the house, you know, um, over the kitchen sink, or you know, to just remind me throughout the day to meditate on the truth of God's word. But yeah, that whole um, you know idea of consuming um, this content that is so carefully you know, laid out for us. You know, I've, I've heard that when we look on Instagram and social media, have you heard of this, this, um, statistic? It's something in the neighborhood of three or 4% of a person's real life. Um, that, that, that's all we're seeing on Instagram mm-hmm. is about three mm-hmm. to 4% of a person's yeah, life. Even that, right? <laughs> yeah. If even that, cause it might not even, that right. might not have even been reality. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's a real, real struggle. And I think, you know, I would say that, you know, I love that you're saying we we aren't, you know, we're going to struggle with this. We can easily struggle with it just as much as, um, you know, a woman who isn't a believer. But also bearing in mind that we're a target. Like the enemy mm-hmm. is is targeting us. So he may even oh. work harder to get us to struggle with this issue. So we need to be sober. Um, what does that scripture say? Sober-minded. Sober-minded. A- absolutely. I will tell you, real life, mm-hmm. I, I do some body image coaching uh, as a, a service that I offer. And I promise you that when I start working with a woman, what will show up in her Instagram feed are more bikini ads and diet pictures than she has ever seen before. Mm. It happens every single time. Mm. I, I warn the women, right. <laughs> like, just know you are going to get ads you've never received before because it's just the way the enemy works. He's going to put stuff in front of your eyes um, and, and, and you know, you're going to be tempted in that way. So it, it's it's so true. Wow. It's so true. We are wow. a target. That's that's, that's that's amazing. So how do you believe the church could do a better job encouraging women to break out of that comparison trap? Well, you know, it's like I said before, I think we need to stop calling it comparison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, we can start there, of course, right? But but I feel like we kind of say, oh, I struggle with comparison, giggle, giggle, tee, hee, hee. And instead, I think in, with a ton of grace, and I like to put a ton of humor with things mm-hmm. too, because mm-hmm. I feel like that makes the medicine go down a little better. Um, but But start calling it what it is, right? And comparison isn't a pet to be tamed. Mm -hmm. It's a pest that we need to eliminate, Mm -hmm. right? So it's not okay to just say, oh, I've got my little comparison problem. It's okay. No, no, we have to get rid of that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I live in the South. I live in Texas. We have cockroaches here. When you see one cockroach, you don't just say, "Oh, that's a nice little cockroach." You, you're just you'll be okay. You just stay there in the kitchen. No, you kill that sucker. Right, <laughs> right, <laughs> because you know. If there's not already a thousand of his cousins living in your kitchen, <laughs> there will be if you let him live or her live. Exactly. I'm not sure. I, cockroaches, gender. I science is not my subject in homeschooling. Okay, <laughs> so, uh, but but it's it's the same way, right? Like, and and I feel like we don't. We've gotten so accustomed mm-hmm. to comparing. It's so natural for us that the first step when I work with women is just kind of listening. Okay, what's happening? Like when you're scrolling Instagram and you suddenly start to feel sick in your stomach, 
Why is that? Mm -hmm. Well, it's because you're comparing yourself to other people. And that is your body's signal. (laughs) Okay, wait, stop. Stop. You don't have to take yourself down that mental road. Maybe there's people you need to unfollow, even if they're friends of yours. Unfollow, clean up that feed. But but that comparison is is leading you into sin. And so I think I think church women's groups need to stop. Stop just chuckling about comparison and we need to get real about getting rid of it because this is separating us as mm-hmm. sisters in Christ, mm-hmm. right? Like no one is is loving their sister in Christ the way God has asked them to love that sister if they secretly hate her for being skinnier or having a better car or any of those things, right? Like like that's just not part of, of loving our neighbor as ourselves, as, as God has laid it out. And so, yeah, I think, I think we, we need to get serious about rooting it out. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I, I love what you said about, you know, that little feeling in your gut. It, it, it is important to pay attention to those red flags. Because they're there. God gives them to us. This is another thing that he's been showing me is he really often will use our bodies Mm -hmm. to to signal to us that something isn't right. Um, You know, uh, that that feeling in our gut or that tightness in our chest or that racing heart, you know, he's just reminded me, you know, we always use that verse... um, you know, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And we always immediately imagine, you know, the unborn child because we've used that so much for that. And that's, it's wonderful and it's absolutely true. But do you realize that as an adult woman that you are also fearfully and wonderfully made, that God has knit you together exactly the way you are um, and that he gives you this body that talks to you. It, it, I mean, I believe mm-hmm. God uses our bodies and he, and he speaks to us to help us because our bodies are, they naturally protect themselves from something that's harmful. Um, that's why we have immune systems. That's, you know, there's all these beautiful ways that God has weaved all that together for us. But another way that it protects itself is, is by giving us that little rush of adrenaline or that knot in our stomach or that, you know, little lump in our throat, you know, when we know something is awry, you know. And so I often like to, to you know, remind women that we were made with, you know, strong emotions for a reason. And, um, mm-hmm. that, that is what gives us the ability to be able to nurture our children and nurture other people and just live out that nurturing nature that God's given us. Um, sometimes it's a, um, it's a discernment that we have. Um, sometimes our emotions lie to us. That's also true, you know, and we need to stop and ask ourselves what's going on. I, I always think of it as, you know, uh, they're like a, a warning light on the dashboard of life. You know, the light goes off and, you know, it could be something serious. The engine could be seizing up and really need some major care, or it could just be something really simple, like I need to put a little oil in my car or whatever, but it's worth stopping and looking under the hood and finding out for sure. Um, because right. if we just ignore it, it's, you can be pretty sure that it's going to turn into a disaster eventually. <laughs> so, right. so I think that's important for us as women to bring our emotions and bring those feelings and those physical things before the Lord and say, you know, especially if we're not understanding where they're coming from and asking him for wisdom and discernment. And I think so right. much of the time we're going to find that it does go back to the things we're talking about, the coveting, um, envying, um, you know, that feeling of needing a measuring stick and we're not measuring up and all that kind of thing. So, um, but you know, go ahead. One thing I love to encourage women to remember Mm -hmm. is we don't have to believe everything we think. 
<laughs> right? Oh, I, I love that. You know, I mean, not everything we think is true. And and so a lot of times what's going on when we're comparing is we are adding a whole narrative to what we are seeing that may or may not be accurate. Mm-hmm, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You know, like we see that perfect homeschool room you know, on one day, right? Like we, we see the picture of she's got it all set up. Maybe it's, you know, September 2nd or something. Right, right. And we imagine this whole narrative that she mm-hmm. is this perfect homeschool yep. mom and every day is blissful and her children come downstairs fully dressed and using great manners and asking their mother if they can read with her that day, you know, all of these things, right? <laughs> and, and I see it and I'm like, man, like my kids have never come downstairs dressed, <laughs> you know, and they're like, oh, do we have to read today? You know, I mean, there's, there's moments, right? But, yes, I hear but, exactly what you're but, saying. But so, you know, so to some extent, we add this whole narrative. And, and so it's important to, to remember that everything we think isn't necessarily true. And then beyond that, to remember that, that Satan is a very real enemy, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. He, he, he's come to steal, kill, and destroy, right? And part of the way he does that is by feeding us lies and he always puts just enough truth in it that we will believe it right Mm -hmm. if the lie was super outlandish Mm -hmm. like you know fire breathing dragons are going to come surround your home today you'd be like whatever that's stupid right (laughs) right (laughs) but there's there's just enough truth in it you know it's that day where you lost your patience reading with your child and he comes in and he says you were so impatient Mm -hmm. but then he takes it a little further further than god would ever take it and he starts condemning us. Yes. You're hor- you're a horrible mom. You're you're a horrible homeschooling mom. You better you better find another way because you can't teach your child. Right. And the condemnation starts barraging us. Mm-hmm. And that's when it's important to take those thoughts captive, right? Like yes. scripture tells us, yes. put them in submission to Christ and say, "No, no, wait, wait, wait. I I just because I'm thinking this doesn't be- doesn't mean it's true." Right? These God does not speak to me through condemnation. He speaks to me through conviction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I love lost my patience. I need to confess that. I'll work on that. But but this condemnation, I don't have to accept it. That's right. It's a heavy load that we don't need to bear. And you know, the verse that came to mind as you were talking is, um, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it's those instances. And I, I don't know about you, but the other thing that happens is Satan is just a really great distractor. So I'll recognize mm-hmm. the moment is happening and then I'll get distracted from it and I'll carry that through the rest of the day. And mm-hmm. and then he he subtly adds to it. And by the time my head hits the pillow at night, I'm just thinking I'm a complete loser, you know? And yeah. so stopping, so that hitting that pause button. And that's for me why I keep bringing that idea of slowing down and unhurrying. It's not about necessarily not being productive. It's not about that. It's about our hearts taking the time to slow down at those opportune moments, those kind of defining moments, because they can determine how we respond to our kids throughout the rest of the day, our husbands throughout the rest of the day. So yes, stopping and taking those thoughts captive and recognizing condemnation versus conviction. Um, condemnation is hopeless and despairing, and conviction mm-hmm. actually almost feels good. 
because it's freeing, you know. But our pastor said something several weeks back that just made me laugh, and it just keeps coming to mind. He said, "Um, who causes most of your problems? (laughs) And I realized the answer instantly. We know it's us, right? Right. It's us because we are our greatest influence. Paul David Tripp Mm -hmm. says that, and he says, we are our greatest influence, and that's why it's imperative that we preach the gospel to ourselves every single day. Um, So tell us, I'm sure moms out there are kind of wondering the same thing. Is it really possible to live a comparison-free life? It absolutely is. But let me clarify, we are always going to be tempted, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus was tempted. (laughs) If Jesus is going to be tempted, we're going to be tempted too. And so I like to phrase it in that we're going to be tempted to envy. We're going to be tempted to covet, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's Satan tempts us with sin. So we are going to be tempted to scroll Instagram and say, oh, she's lost weight. Huh. I really, I'd like her apps. <laughs> Maybe I should, you know, do that too. And we're going to be tempted when we see, you know, someone's perfect homeschool day. We're going to be tempted to compare, tempted to covet, tempted to envy, right? But it is possible to say no to that temptation. And so there's there's lots of strategies that I talk about on my own podcast and in my books about how to fight that temptation. Mm-hmm. What do we do? Mm-hmm. We, part of it is listening, like I talked about already, listening to our body when it tells us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and then part Part of it is taking those thoughts captive. And then part of it is really practical, like we mentioned already too, just like, what are you consuming? What are you Mm -hmm. filling your mind with? Mm -hmm. If you're spending two hours a day on Instagram and you're struggling with covetousness and envy, I'm not surprised. Right. (laughs) Right. Right? I mean, you're kind of setting yourself up for it. It's kind of like if a man, and now porn is a growing issue among women, so I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to like necessarily uh, gender stereotype that, but, but if your man was struggling with lust and you like kept him supplied with, you know, Playboy magazines, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that would not be a wise idea, exactly. right? Like that would be stupid. You wouldn't do that, right? You right. would say, oh, wait a second, this is a problem. We're going to, we're going to put some safeguards around this. We're not going to have that junk in the house. We're going to have internet controls. We're going to, we're going to put some walls around this. Right. And it's the same. It's the same for our sin. Like it's easy for us to look at other people's sins and think about how we, how we'd manage that, if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for our sin of of comparison, of envy, of covetousness, of pride, like you said, like we've got to put walls around that. What boundaries do I need to keep myself from stumbling into that temptation? Exactly. I'm thinking about that verse in Proverbs that says, a wise man looks ahead, but a fool keeps going and suffers for it. Right. And right. and also you were talking about temptation. Sometimes we feel alone in our struggle. Mm. And The scriptures say that no temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. And But it also says with every temptation, God will make a way out. And maybe your way out is to dial back the time on the Instagram, you know? (laughs) So asking God for wisdom to know what does that look like for you. He knows you better than we do, and he knows you better than you know yourself. Um, I think we have to really acknowledge that, you know, he is our creator. He knows us inside and out. And who better to tell us and give us wisdom, show us how we can walk out more of a comparison-free life and envy, we'll we'll call it what it is, envy and covetous-free life. Um, yeah, so I, I love that. And I love that you're calling it what it is. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, wow, that word envy and that word covet, 
um, it would be good to do like a little study, like a little in your, in our quiet time, like what is envy really? What is, what do those words mean? And kind of get a better description of them, a biblical description, because it helps give us discernment as to what it really looks like. You know, right. if you, when you've got kind of a color, color picture versus a pencil sketch, you know, um, right. and then also... It- and then also I was thinking, like, looking at the opposite of those things, because that's the mm. fruit we want to be having. We want right. God to produce in our lives. Right. Well, I was when I was studying for my book, um, I think it's James 4, is a, there's a passage there, beginning of James 4, talks about um, what causes dissensions and rivalries among you. And there's this, this extensive list of sins, and on there is sexual immorality, orgies, adultery, other things are on there, but envy is on there. Wow. And it just hit me, Dorinda, because I was like, man, you know, like we had the purity rings, right? right? Like, you know, I mean, like all these things, like orgies, well, that certainly, like that's in a different category than me being on Instagram and wishing I had her life. Right. (laughs) But God says it's not. They're on the same list. And so that stopped me in my tracks <laughs> because I was like, wow, like this is something he takes seriously mm-hmm. and that means we have to too. That's absolutely right. I love it. I love it. Well, I am so uh, thankful that you've been here with us today. Do you have any just sort of last little, if you could, if there's any encouragement um, that you could give these moms, like the number one thing you would want, to, want them to know um, today, what would that be? Yeah, I'd say the number one thing I would want you to know is that God has given you everything you need to accomplish His purpose in your life, be it physically, uh, be it, you know, what you talent wise, gifting wise, He has equipped you with everything you need. Mm. And so it's, it's, it's the culture's way to tell us we need to be good in all the areas or improve in all the areas. But but God's message is, no, I've given you what you need. Just go forward. Trust me every day to help you. Mm. And and you can do this. Oh, I love <laughs> you it. You can do what I've asked. I love it. Well, let's uh, go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Moms, I will include all of Heather's contact information for you in the podcast notes if you want to connect with her and um Go and just be encouraged by the resources that she has. Um, Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for this time together. We thank you for your word, God, that just breathes life into us. Lord, I love all the scripture that we've covered today, God, that is just life-giving. I pray that as we move forward from this time together, that we would be sure to spend the time in your word and and meditating on your word and who you are, God, because it's that place where there's freedom. Lord, you have freedom for us. You are a God of blessing, and, and one of your blessings is that you put boundaries on us and you name the things that you know will cause us harm, like envy and covetousness, Lord, and you encourage us to move away from that, to repent of that, Lord. And so today, God, we just we do, we repent of that. We repent of envy, we repent of covetousness, and we ask that you, by your grace and mercy, would show us how to walk out a life that honors and glorifies you and finds contentment in our walk with you and with all the blessings that you've given us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.